0: Hello everybody and welcome to this edition of The Views from the 573 Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well this week. It's Super Bowl week. We got a lot of stuff to talk about as we are off last week. And I'll get to that here in a minute, but we got a lot of stuff to talk about. The NBA trade deadline just got wrapped up. We got a lot of stuff to talk about there. Really active trade deadline with the course of the headliner, Ben Simmons, James Harden both getting what they wanted and are heading to different teams. So we're going to be talking about that trade and a couple of the other trades that have happened here today and here in the last couple days. We're going to be talking about that. There's a couple MLB news and notes that we're going to get through. We're probably going to hit that first before we get to the trades. And then we got a bunch of NFL stuff that we got to get to. Not including the Super Bowl with all the coaching coaching positions being filled up finally. All nine of them are filled up. We also had Tom Brady retire. We, We have the ongoing lawsuit with Brian Flores happening. We just had a bunch of stuff happen last week. I hate I had to miss out last week. And I'll get to that why here now. Not for sure, but... It looks like I had COVID, that I had picked it up somewhere. So, of course, I was in no state to do a podcast last week as I was recovering last week. And also, we had potential ice storms heading our way. So, I wasn't sure, even if I did do the podcast under my condition, that I was going to be able to get it out because we may have had ice ice come here. Uh, to Carlsville that could have knocked out internet and, uh, knocked out electricity and all that stuff. So there's a couple concerns there. Uh, but the main one is like, I had COVID, didn't feel like it, needs to rest. But back this week, I'm feeling much better. All things considering after, uh, when I went through last week, but, uh, we're back And uh, boy, what a week to get back to all this stuff going on, including the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 56. The big week of the big game is finally here. So we are going to get right on into that. So without further ado, let's get right on to our first topic of conversation today. And that is going to be some MLB news and notes that are going around the sports world as of now. Of course, Rob Manfred has been talking about things here recently within the last few hours about what's been going on with Major League Baseball in the midst of their lockout. And so there's been a few things to take note of. Uh, One, both sides are going to meet Saturday to try to, again, try to get together, try to hammer things out to where they can agree to a new collective bargaining agreement and they don't have to worry about a lockout. Potentially they can get right on into spring training with the season starting March 31st. So not too, it's not too far away. The season is so both sides are going to be meeting Saturday. He does believe the season will start on time. So we'll see if, There's any positive things that happen on Saturday that could trend in the direction of the season starting on time as scheduled. Also, there's no status change in spring training. So there's that bit of note with spring training obviously would be going on right now. Yep. You'd have that. You'd have pitchers and catchers, of course, reporting first and then everybody else coming in. And then a couple other things that are of note and, One of them is the universal DH is happening. I know that's been something some baseball fans have been clamoring for for some time. You know, it it not making sense with why the NL doesn't have it and the AL does. So from now on, it looks like the universal DH is going to be a thing in baseball now where you now have the DH in the NL. So, you don't have to worry about pitchers hitting. Although, there are probably a few people out there that like to see that happen. Like to see pitchers hit home runs. Looks like that is going to be a thing of the past. And, the Universal DH will be a thing going forward. So, that's a huge thing. The other huge thing is draft pick compensation is eliminated. Now, if you know the drill with the MLB is that usually when a a team loses a star player in free agency, they would get a compensatory pick and that they would get that pick and it would be a pretty good draft pick at least. And especially if that player is a star type player. So now this change is happening. Draft pick compensation is eliminated. And so that's a big thing that is changing. Of course, another, there's still a couple other questions with the draft because I've read a few days ago that they were talking about making a change with the draft as far as implementing a draft lottery into the MLB draft, and uh, which would be kind of strange to see them holding a draft lottery. It'd probably be, if I read right, the format... Of the top three that uh, the NBA does very similarly. But this is also huge news. As uh, you can probably think back, there's probably been some famous compensation picks that teams have made in losing players. So, in the MLB, they're moving away from a couple things. And that's going to be pretty big news going forward. For the MLB. So, a couple MLB news and notes there. For you. Up at the top. Now, let's go in. And let's talk some NBA. And we got to start talking about Harden and Simmons. Just a huge trade for both teams. And I'll be honest. I was completely expecting nothing to happen on this front. You had Woj saying, it's probably not going to happen. You had Wynhor saying, there's been some talks. You just didn't know who who was going to be right or wrong there in the end. And I was kind of leaning towards, I don't think it's going to happen today. I don't think they're going to be able to work together to come to terms to a deal. And that the deadline was going to pass, and both those guys were still going to be on their teams, and they weren't going to be happy. Well, when Horst ended up winning out in the end, and the trade did happen with James Harden going to Philly, with Ben Simmons going to Brooklyn. And huge deal for both those teams where Brooklyn, they also get Seth Curry. You also had draft picks involved in this deal as well. And so now if you're Brooklyn, you bring in Ben Simmons, who hasn't played all year, and you bring in Seth Curry, an excellent shooter to add to this group of players that the Nets have. And now that you're and now that you're Philly, for Philly, this is a big trade for them, considering who they didn't have to give up in the trade it was probably in all likelihood that they were going to, have to give up somebody like a Tyrese Maxey or maybe a Matisse Teibel Ty- or something like that in this trade. In which case, the Sixers, they end up becoming really fortunate there in the end, not giving up two young players that they are really high on and keeping them on their roster. In which if you look at Philly, they got potential lineup where you can throw Harden in there, Ty Bull, Maxi, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid who's been playing out of his mind. And so that'll be the the thing of course will be to watch how Harden and Embiid work as a new superstar duo in this league and to see how they mesh and you know we with Embiid with how he's been playing could it affect him and uh, and his play and for Brooklyn looking at their side my one thing I have with this trade is of course we know the whole thing around Ben Simmons is that the guy doesn't shoot he doesn't the man was scared of taking a layup there in a playoff game last season. And so it does take away one scoring option from the Brooklyn Nets. But Ben Simmons does add a whole lot to that roster. He has a lot of playmaking, excellent defense, really big guard. And, you know, once KD gets back... You got him there. You do got a nice team of guys that can put the ball in the bucket. You got Seth Curry now coming in there. You got Patty Mills, who's been awesome for Brooklyn this year. Kyrie and the games that he's going to be able to play. And so, for these teams, they get some, they get good return. And both those guys get what they want. And so we'll see when what happens when they play each other. funny enough, exactly a month from now exactly a month from now on March 10th on TNT with Brooklyn heading to Philly and uh I think this is not too much to say, but I don't know if uh, I don't think Ben Simmons is going to get a a warm reception to say the least, when he makes his return to Philly, if he does come back by then. Now, Ben Simmons, it does sound like they're uh, they're going to try to ease him in and that they're going to see how he's doing and work him in slowly, but it does sound like he's going to be coming back pretty soon and is going to play in Brooklyn and uh, try to compete for a championship with Brooklyn, even though Brooklyn has been on the downtrend Here recently losing several games here in a row here recently when they were just close up to the top of the East standings here. Not too long ago. I'm pretty sure last time we talked NBA standings, they were one of the teams up top and now here they are in the, in the bottom of the East around that six, seven, eight seed range really teetering on the edge of maybe potentially playing in a play in game, which they, they, He shouldn't be playing at all. So we'll have to see how this trade works out. But of course, this has been the big trade of the day. Harden going to Philly. Simmons going to Brooklyn. Huge swap between these two. And uh, of course, the headliner of the day. And uh, one that's going to be very impactful. And of course, Harden, he's already opting into his player option for next season. And also, I didn't mention this: the Sixers also got Paul Millsap back in the steal. I don't—we'll have to see if he gets bought out or or not. But you know, the Nets—you get Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, two first-round picks, and uh, so Brooklyn—they get a couple first-round picks to play around with and maybe use as some as ammo uh, down the road. Uh, there was reports they were trying to find a way to use them before the deadline was up. Wasn't able to do that. So guess we'll see now, but Hey, having two extra first round picks and as far as your assets go from down the road to make potential moves is not too bad. So that's the big move of the day. The one of the more shocking moves of the day came really close to the deadline And that was Chris Porzingis, the Dallas Mavericks trading Porzingis to the Wizards for a package centered on Spencer Dinwiddie, which also included Davis Pertons. I believe Dallas also traded a second-round pick away in the process. So really kind of a head-scratcher of a move here. And you wondered, I mean... While Porzingis has been in Dallas, there have been reports about the relationship between him and with Luka. And you have to wonder if this played a part in this. But just taking a look at it, it is really kind of shocking to see this go down. And, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is a nice player. But for Dallas to essentially trade Porzingis for him and for Bertans it is really kind of a head-scratcher considering where Dallas is in the standings they've been playing pretty good ball here as of late and they just traded him away to Washington who is not doing good so far so really kind of a head-scratcher of a move right here from Dallas and uh I saw this one tweet with Tim Legler quoting, "He's the unicorn because you hardly ever see him." And uh, oof, that's a that's a savage burn right there. But you do have to wonder if something, if Luca and Porzingis' relationship was just not meshing well at all. And of course, you're gonna you're gonna choose Luca, ten times out of ten. And so, Porzingis was the odd man out between those two. And so, now he's a wizard. And kind of a shock here. Kind of a shock here as it happened really close to the deadline coming towards an end. And that's probably the biggest surprise of the day. Of course, we had a few other trades going on around the league. We had... A deal between the Spurs. The Spurs have been a team that's been dealing a whole lot too. The Spurs trading Derek White to the Celtics for Josh Richardson. And I want to say somebody else. I want to say another player was involved. A first round pick was involved in this trade. A 2022 first round pick with a protection of one top four with the top four protection on it and so the Celtics they get guard Derek White who should probably be you know with the Spurs you got the Jonte Murray starting back there you got a couple other guards back there for the Spurs a couple young guards so Boston they do send out a first round pick you know top four production that pick will probably go to San Antonio in all likelihood considering where the Celtics are right now but Derek White not a bad return for the Celtics getting him to come there but uh, a couple of the other trades that, uh, that have been happening as of here recently is of course a couple ones from a couple days ago uh, CJ McCollum, and with Sabonis and Karis LeVert, which Pacers making a lot of moves there. Uh, you know, speaking of another trade that happened earlier today, we had a fourteen trade with the with the Kings, Bucks, Clippers, and Pistons. Pistons making moves, getting Robert Covington and Norman Powell from the Blazers few days ago, the Blazers have been wheeling and dealing as well. With this trade, with the Kings getting Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. The Bucks getting Serge Ibaka from the Clippers. Two future seconds in cash. The Clippers getting Ronnie Hood and Sammy Ojalay. And the Pistons getting Marvin Bagley Jr., the former top five pick going from Sacramento to Detroit, and maybe hopefully for him, uh, a fresh new change of scenery for him and going with the young piston squad that, of course, has number one pick, Cade Cunningham and a couple other nice young pieces there. But, of course, the two other trades that have happened here recently, C.J. McCollum going to New Orleans and... The deal that you know, I was kind of surprised by, but with the way the Blazers have been trending, kind of wasn't a surprise. And I think you were also wondering, is was that a matter of time before the Blazers traded Dame, and they end up not trading him. He's still a part of the Blazers team as of now. But the Blazers have made a lot of deals here recently. And trading C.J. McCollum, getting Josh Hart, Thomas Sanneranski, Akil Alexander Walker, and getting some and trading some picks as well. well of course, the Pel- the Blazers traded Sanneranski and Akil Alexander Walker not too long ago, in separate deals, in which they got Joe Ingles, who's hurt for the year, so kind of a head scratcher there for them. And Akil Alexander Walker is going to Utah, and Santa Ransky is going to San Antonio. Uh, Portland. They're also sending Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell for the Blazers. For the Blazers, I mean, of course, they are going to try to build all around Dame. But I don't know. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough sledding for uh, Blazers fans with uh how how things are looking there in Portland. For the Pelicans, you do get C.J. McCollum, a guy that can get buckets. He, he is a little bit on the older side. He is around 30 or, 30 or so, but he's a guy that is a proven scorer in this league. And the, the Pelicans have been trending upward here recently as of late, too. So adding a, a veteran piece like McCollum could help for this team. And so we'll have to see how that works. Of course, they're are waiting to see if Zion is going to come back this year at all. But they'll just have to see what happens with that. So Blazers send McCollum over to the Pelicans. And then you had a kind of a surprise here, kind of a shock to everybody. Was the Pacers trading Sabonis and trading a couple other players there. To Sacramento and getting Tristan Thompson, getting Buddy Heald, and also trading Tyrese Halliburton. Which was probably the surprise trade piece in that deal. Is that people in Sacramento were shocked, the team was shocked, and he was shocked. He was one that that genuinely wanted to be in Sacramento. Which is something you don't hear a whole lot too often in the NBA. Somebody genuinely wanting to be a part of the Sacramento Kings. And he wanted to be there. And so now he's going to Indiana along with Buddy Heald. And of course, they need another guy that can get the bu- uh, ball in the bucket on the wing after training Lavert to the Cavs, which I really like for the Cavs. Adding him to their roster right now. And... The Pacers they they made a decision between Sabonis and Miles Turner, and they decided to go with Miles Turner. And so you're going to see how that works out going forward for the Pacers, and then for the Kings, Sabonis is a, is a guy that can big man up front. That's a star. That's really good. You have to see. Uh, I'm really curious to see how his and the Aaron Foxes relationship will be there's a nice two-man game there between those two but uh again really kind of surprised with Halliburton being traded to the Pacers really kind of shocked, and uh I'm sure if a lot of other teams knew that he was available in the trade that they they would try to come knocking on the king's door and try to go get this guy because his stats are are pretty good for a guy in a second year And so he's off to the Pacers. And I think that's one of the last big major deals that that we've had. We had a a couple other minor deals here, but a whole lot of wheeling and dealing here at the trade deadline. And uh, really active, really kind of subverting our expectations from the past about the trade deadline, where we think we're going to get an active one. And we end up getting one that doesn't have a whole lot of trades. And just a couple minor ones. Today and the last couple days we got uh, some big ones happening. With some big time players moving. With of course the Harden and Simmons trade headlining all these trades. Just some big moves and we're going to see how things go forward. As we're over the halfway point and we're about at all-star break. So still a lot of things to happen in the meantime, but of course people are talking about the teams that haven't made moves. Lakers, Heat, Knicks. Looks like they're going to be looking on the buyout market and let's we'll see if anybody wants to go to those teams. So, the trade deadline, whole lot of fun. Let's we'll see what happens on the buyout market and who's out there. And see if any teams can get better on the buyout market. Normally you see a couple guys get on the buyout market, go to a team, and really make an impact for the team that gets them. So we'll have to see if uh, there's going to be any type of impact moves out there on the buyout market. So with that being said, that is the NBA. Of course, speaking of All-Star, we got the All-Star break coming up. We got the All-Star starters Announced last week. Really happy for my guy Ja getting named as a starter. We had the reserves named here last week. And then we also had the all-star participants for the challenges and all that stuff named on Tuesday. We're going to get the teams fully announced this week. Of course, with LeBron and KD being named captains and seeing who they are going to pick in this game. So, All-Star Weekend, not too far away. And uh, should be a fun weekend. So, there's the NBA. Let's move on. And let's talk some NFL. And boy, I don't know where to start, you, you guys. Because, again, that's one of the things of having COVID last week. That's a drawback. Had a whole lot of stuff to talk about. And uh, just couldn't... Just wasn't able to, but we're going to try to make some headway as we go here and try to get through a whole lot here before we get to the big game. Because, of course, that's the thing that we are all looking forward to this week, and that's the main thing that we're all wanting to talk about. But of course, I wouldn't be remiss if I didn't start off with the news of Tom Brady's retirement. Schefter, I, I know a lot of people... Probably including me, we're probably getting after a lot of grief about calling this a couple of days before it actually happened. And uh, Brady and his camp was like, oh, Nothing's happened yet, man. <laughs> nothing's nothing's happened yet. But uh, if a couple days later, Tom Brady announces his retirement, and of course, a few days later after that, it's like, You know, we'll, we'll see how I feel in a few months from now. It's like I, of of course, of course, Tom Brady's already questioning his retirement a few days after, a few days into it. But uh, with Brady retiring, if this is it, if this is indeed the end for him, whether you like the guy or not, I'm probably a guy that leans on Tom, or probably not. You you do have to acknowledge this guy is the greatest of all time with what he's done and how he's played at a high level even if you take a look at at this year he's probably gonna end up second in MVP voting with the season he had with Tampa Bay this past season at 44. and all he say he want to get the 45 just a it, just a little bit short of that but man it Having the season he did at this age, hats off to him. And again, whether you like him or not, you take a look at what he's done and how long he's produced in in, in the league for 22 years. And you can't help but be amazed about how much he contributed to the league as long as he did. And how much he won in this league. With everything going through the Spygate, the Gate, all that stuff. But his and Bill's relationship kind of, you know, not doing so great towards the end there. You can't help but give this guy props here for what he's done in uh 22 years. And so, if this is the end for him, I mean... Well-deserved career. First bout Hall of Famer in a few years from now. Definitely. If it's not, it's going to be. <laughs> it's going to be wild. There's a reality in which that does happen, but I don't think it's going to be this one. And uh, but if he does come back, oh boy. And uh, we'll see if he does come back to Tampa if that happens, or if somebody else gets him. Since Tampa still still would hold his rights, I believe. But also see how he would get back into the game and see if there's going to be a drop-off for him. But uh, if he's retired, it's well-deserved. Props to him. Mad respect for the career he's had. So, right off into into the sunset, Tom. Have fun with retirement. So, looking at some other NFL news... Let's go on and take a look at all the coaching news that we've had since then. Because, boy, we've had a lot. We, we've we had Jim Harbaugh flirting with going back to the NFL with the Vikings. But now he's going back to Michigan for another year. And we don't know this for certain, but it looks like the Vikings are probably going to hire Kevin O'Connell from the Rams. So we'll have to see what happens after the game on Sunday with that. And see if when that becomes officially announced, but it looks like the Vikings are going with Kevin O'Connell from the Rams and adding him to their staff. Yeah, another guy from the Sean McVay tree, from the Sean McVay system, getting another head job here. A couple other moves that have happened since. Josh McDaniels, he's getting a second crack as a head coach. Also in the same division, this time heading to the Raiders and becoming the head coach for that organization. And we'll have to see if how much he learned from his first stint as a head coach with the Broncos and how much he's learned since then. Uh, being, of course, the Patriots' offensive coordinator after that time, we'll have to see if he's made any sort of adjustments to how he handles the head job. Uh, some more moves that have been made with the head coaching search. You got Brian Dable being named the head coach of the Giants, and we're going to talk about them a little bit here soon with with Flores. But I like the Dable hired by the Giants, and we're, that's without talking about anything that may or may not have happened. But with Joe Schoen coming from the Bills, the new GM of the Giants, you ha- you probably have to expect that they're going to be looking very hard at two of the candidates that were possibly guys that Schoen would hire from the Bills with Day bull who's the OC there, and Leslie Frazier, who was the DC there. And so he goes with Day Bull after tremendous success with being the offensive coordinator for Josh Allen for all of his career. To see if he can... Somehow, find a way to help Daniel Jones actually succeed for the Giants under center. And, I mean, listen, if you see what he's done with Josh Allen, there's got to be a sliver of hope for Giants fans bringing in this guy and what he's done with that Bills offense uh, since they drafted Josh Allen a few years ago. So, the Giants hired Daybol. Up next, we also had a couple others with the Saints. Sticking with Dennis Allen, the DC, for the last few years there. It's been a wild week for the Saints with everything with this and Alvin Kamara and all that stuff. Which, uh, tough stuff for Alvin Kamara. That, it's not a good look. It's it, It's not good. But the Saints, they hired Dennis Allen, who was, of course, a head coach as well a few years back, but he's been with the saints ever since then after he got fired. And uh, he's been the guy that's been heading the defense and the defense has been pretty good for the saints here in the last few seasons. So now he's taking on the head job there for the saints. But of course you got a lot of things to consider with cap issues with what's going on with Michael Thomas, now you got the Alvin Kamara situation added in to also what are you going to do at quarterback in the post Reese era in year number two of that era. Which is a lot of things to consider for him. You had the Miami Dolphins going with Mike McDaniel, which I made the joke with my dad because that's his name. He was like, hey, dad, when'd you tell, when were you going to tell us you were going to go a uh, the coach for the Miami Dolphins, but that this is a guy that's coming from the Kyle Shanahan tree. And it comes from that system. And I really worked on their running game a whole lot for Shanahan with San Francisco here, especially the last few years. And the running game really popped here, especially this season with putting in Debo back there. Elijah Mitchell looking really good for a sixth rounder. And so now you bring him to Miami to be an offensive coach to Tua in his third year and try to really bring out his potential to and bring it up to where you think he belongs in the NFL as far as some, among the top quarterbacks. He is the top five pick for a reason. And so you try to bring him up to that. And, hope, and that's what Miami's hoping here, that McDaniel is going to bring out the best in Tua and the best in this Miami offense. That's got some nice weapons. You got Devontae Parker. You have to see if they bring back Kaseki in the offseason. Jalen Waddle was amazing as a rookie this year. Gaskin, solid running back. We'll just have to see what he does. And then the last coach to be hired was the was the Houston Texans staying in-house and hiring. Associate head coach Lovey Smith. That's right, everybody. Lovey Smith is back in the NFL as a head coach this time with the Texans. And it looks like he's going to be the guy making the calls on defense as well. So it looks like they are not going to hire a defensive coordinator, that he's still going to be making the calls there on defense. And I really kind of wondered about this one. There's still a lot of other guys I could have gone with. Flores probably was one of them. Leftwich, I'm still wondering about him. You know, Biennemi was a guy for the Saints job. And uh, I'm trying to think of a few others out there that were candidates. You know, Kelly Moore, Dan Quinn, even though that's been decided for a little bit now. There's just a lot of other guys out there. So the, they go with Lovey. I kind of wonder why, but Lovey's a, a good, strong leader. And i uh, curious to see who he's going to be bringing in and what his strategy is going to be going forward with this team. And uh, so those are all the head coaching spots in the league that are filled up. But of course, we've had some big news here as of recent with Ryan Flores and his lawsuit and suing the NFL for what's happened with his experience in interviewing here recently with the Giants and with his text messages with Bill Belichick and with supposedly the Giants looking at hiring Day before, before, you know, they even interviewed Flores. And you've also had stuff brought up with his time there in Miami and how, it seemed like Stephen Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, was really pushing, on, especially on the tampering part, to to bring in a top quarterback in there. It was trying to get Flores to go meet with him, and Flores wasn't no part of that. There's also the allegation that Ross was willing to pay Flores a hundred thousand per loss so they can tank and get better draft picks. And that's a huge one with, uh, with tanking, with tanking being involved in the NFL. We know it was a big issue with the NBA for years. And that right there is an issue that the NFL has got to look at as well. Cause you, you you can't have any of that. You can't have any of that in, in the league at all. And, even if Flores did do that, he probably wouldn't have been the coach anyway for whoever they got. So, say they lost more games, they got the number one pick, they took Joe Burrow. Is there a guarantee that Flores would have been there to coach Joe Burrow? There's no guarantee. Ross might have just said, alright, you did that. And, might have let him go and go hire a new coach. The coach is new, shiny Toy, the number one pick in Joe Burrow. So, there's no way he he probably would have stayed on if that had happened. And You've also had Hughes Jackson bring up some stuff about the Browns maybe doing something similar there a few years ago when they stunk. It's just a whole lot of crazy stuff with those two things possibly happening here really recently, as far as tanking is concerned and something that's got to be fixed and hammered out. See if that is true. And if it is true, what to do about the people involved and how to fix stuff like that and prevent stuff like that from ever happening again in the league, because that should not be able to happen at all. With as far as the florist thing is concerned, he is really putting his neck out there for for this conversation that that's been had about minority coaches not getting a fair shake here in the NFL. He's really put his neck out there. And we're gonna have to see about these allegations, how far he takes this lawsuit, how far it goes, and if any of it remains to be true, it's a bad look for the NFL. But also, he might have just ended his NFL career right here because he, I mean, he put out a statement when the when the Texans hired Lovey Smith saying, hey, we applaud Texans for hiring Lovey Smith. But also, they, in the statement after that, mentions that, you know, Maybe they didn't hire Flores because of the ongoing lawsuit. I mean, that's it. It's a probable, it's a possibility that that probably that may have happened, but we won't know for sure. Of course, the Texans are going to deny that ever happening. But with this lawsuit, it really does kind of show you that the NFL is kind of stunk with as far as this the Rooney rule is concerned and how they've handled it and how they try to want to get more minorities in in for head coaching spots. They got to do better. And there, I probably listed some guys a few minutes ago that were good candidates for jobs. Byron Lettwich, uh Eric Bieniemy, you know, who's been, Looking at getting a job for a few years now. So it's obviously something has to change and we'll see if this is the spark that's going to change something here. But as far as this lawsuit, I'm curious to see how it's going to unfold. How is it going to affect Flores with as far as him personally, his his career is it going to get the NFL to actually change? We'll, we'll have to see. But, uh, that's obviously was some big news here coming last week and, uh, try to talk about it as best we can with all the new information that's coming out with, uh, of course, again, that statement that he put out after Lovey got hired. So we'll have to see, you uh, know well, let's see if he's going to be a candidate to be a head coach again, or if this really damages his reputation in the NFL to where they're not going to give, where teams are not going to give him a second look. Because, I mean, I think I've said it here. And I think it's also been said elsewhere is that as far as candidates go, he is a top flight candidate during, with all these head coaching jobs open. That he was a qualified head coach. He saw what he did in Miami. Did a really good job there. And now it's probably where we're at that point where he's probably not going to be able to get another job. So it's really going to be a crazy situation to see how that's going to develop with the lawsuit with him and his career. And seeing if he's going to be able to get another job in the NFL. So moving on from all that. I think let's go and talk about the big game, everybody. And let's talk about Super Bowl 56. Now one thing I will talk about is I am prepared. That I went out, and pulled the spreadsheet. We'll see if Man Peter get involved with this or if you know we'll just let's see how it goes. But when looked at, at some prop bets, put them all up on a spreadsheet. So hopefully me me and the guys can have a little bit of fun during the big game, but uh, some pretty interesting interesting stuff as far as the prop bets are concerned. And I put a few of them in here because they're they they've been key points that have been talked about here with this game. Of course, this being the first Super Bowl or the second Super Bowl ever between two number one picks with Burrow and Stafford, with Stafford and the gap from his first year to his super, to his first Super Bowl. See how much that's mentioned. Also with Joe Joe Burrow making the Super Bowl in year two, kind of like Brady, you've had that kind of mentioned a little bit. You mentioned the Sean McVay tree a little bit earlier. Zach Taylor worked under Sean McVay, so a lot of interesting storylines there. With uh with these two teams with quarterbacks, with coaches, and all that involved. Now, as far as the game is concerned, let's take a look at it. So, on paper, if you look at it, the Rams probably should have the advantage on both sides of the line of scrimmage. Of course, we know about the defensive side, where you got guys like Aaron Donald, Von Miller up front for, Leonard Floyd for the Rams that can go and wreck the game. And of course, we've seen the Bengals. We saw them in a game this year in the playoffs against my Titans in which they allowed nine sacks to happen. And yeah, they still won. But you still do not want your quarterback to be hit nine times. Because A, a crazy injury could happen. Or B, a crazy turnover can happen where somebody like Donald comes in there, gets a strip sack, Rams recover a fumble, and that could change the game. On the offensive line, the the Rams probably have the better advantage there too. Because, again, their their line is not like the Bengals. The Bengals' offensive line has had their struggles all year long. Burrow was one of the most sacked cornerbacks in the league this year. So I think the Rams probably do have the advantage. On both sides of the ball. As, as far as the lines of scrimmage are concerned. I think they're, they're sitting pretty well right there. Also. Let's take a look at the quarterback battle. Burrow and Stafford. What is, uh, let's talk about Burrow and Him playing against this Rams defense. He's going to be facing one of the toughest pass defense, of course. Raheem Morris has done a really good job against the pass this year. And they got some guys in that secondary that are pretty good, namely Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league that he might or might not be matching up on Jamar Chase for a lot of this game. Matthew Stafford, blitzing Matthew Stafford, that's not been a good idea. Let's take you back to the Tampa Bay game, where Tampa Bay tried that there at the end. It cost them. They couldn't get the play right on the defensive side. Cooper Cup burned them. And then soon after that, Rams kick a field goal, win the game. So blitzing hasn't necessarily been the most hasn't been the most logical thing to do against Stafford. And one thing about the Bengals, they are not a blitz heavy team. We'll see if they change that. And uh that as far as their blitz rate, they just blitz eight around 18% of the time. Third lowest rate in the NFL. If they it depends on picking their spots, but if they do pick their spots. There's an opportunity for Stafford to absolutely nail them. There there is a chance for that to happen. Now likewise, blitzing Burrow might not be a good idea because he's actually been d- pretty well against the blitz. He does really well. He he's able to process it quickly, get the ball out of there, make his progressions. It's kind of, kind, of, kind of crazy that with how well he's done against the Blitz. Of course, Jamar Chase, how much of an impact is he going to have? How much is Jalen Ramsey going to be covering him? That's going to be a key matchup to watch is seeing how much number five is on number one. Or if Ramsey is out there guarding T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd or whoever. Uh, Also for the Bengals, it looks like C.J. Uzama, he's probably going to get the play. He's not missing the biggest game of his life. That's coming straight from him, and I don't blame him. And we got a lot of fun offensively. We got a lot of wide receivers that can take over the game. Cup, Chase, Higgins can too. Higgins has had some games where he's taken over from, from Chase. And then Odell. Huge game for o- o- Odell for his legacy. And you know this is why he came to LA is to go out and try to win a championship. And uh, he's done really well. If Robert Woods doesn't go down, you have to wonder what happens. But Odell has done really good as the number two wide receiver behind Cooper Cup. Another thing to watch out for the Bengals defense. Do they not blitz a lot? Yes. But one thing they do well is adjust. And they've adjusted pretty well. I mean, if you take a look at what happened in the AFC Championship game with how well they adjusted defensively later on in that game and really gave that Chiefs offense a lot of problems there. They can adjust really well, and that is a key example of how they can adjust. If things aren't going well against the Rams... In the first half, they can make the proper adjustments in the second half. And maybe those adjustments win them the Super Bowl. And they're able to overcome what happened in the first half. Play extremely well with their adjustments in the second half. And go out and win the Super Bowl. So, those are a few things in taking a look at this game just a lot of interesting stuff with this game, with both these teams and how these teams play. If you, I mean, if you get the Bengals, a good, a team that can adjust there, the Rams, we'll have to see if, you know, Cam Akers can get going for them. And that another thing that can help the Bengals is the turnover battle. If, if, If they can turn the ball over against the Rams and get the ball back against them, that usually plays well for them. If they turn the ball over, it really won't play well for them. And we know the Rams, they got a really good defense. They got a lot of guys on there that can make a lot of plays on all levels of the defense. So I think as far as the game is concerned about who I'm going to pick here, if I'm going to pick the winner of the Super Bowl I think the Rams are going to win it and the Rams are going to win the trophy, win the Lombardi trophy in their home stadium, making that the second time for that to happen in in 2 years with Tampa winning it last year in Tampa. Also one thing to note the Rams are going to be the away team in this game so I will go and I will take the Rams here and I just want to briefly see what the line is because I'm also going to be putting this in for uh, the prop bet sheet and seeing what score am I going to pick But I think this should be a really interesting game between these two teams. With the Rams, with them making it two times in four years with the Bengals, making it with a young team, a really young team that they have here. And it's going to be a different Super Bowl for the Rams than it was against the Patriots a couple years ago. It's going to be different. So I think... I am going to go with the Rams here. I think I'm going to go with the Rams and have them win the Lombardi Trophy in their home stadium. And for Sean McVay, for either one of these coaches, Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, they would be among the list of the youngest coaches to ever win the Super Bowl. So, it'd be a little bit more history there with those teams. So, let's see. Let's go try to find the line. So, the Rams are a a three-and-a-half point favorite. And the over-under for total points scored is 48-and-a-half. So, that leads to something like a 27-21 type of score right there which it would be 48, which would be the under. And I'll think I'll take the slight over on that. And I think I'll go Rams 28 Bengals 24. I think it was, this will be a close competitive game. I think both these quarterbacks have shown a lot to a lot of people this year. Stafford, he's made big plays when it's counted. And for Burrow, what else can you say about a guy in his second year coming off an ACL injury? He's been an absolute baller this year. And I don't think it's going to be the last time Burrow's going to be in the big game. I think this is... This might be the first of a, of a few appearances in the big game. But I think the Rams, I'll go with them. I think they'll win Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium at home and keep the trophy there and in, the season on a high note. So that's it for the NFL Super Bowl predictions talk right there. Can't believe we're already at this point in the season. And uh, of course, I mean, we won't stop talking about the NFL when the offseason's going on because we got a whole lot of offseason talk to talk about. Free agency, trades, draft. I'm already getting ramped up on draft stuff already. So we're going to have plenty to talk about after the big game on Sunday. So we're going to have a lot of fun here. Of course, we're going to have a lot of fun with the game itself with The halftime show, packed halftime show, a lot of commercials. Uh, We'll see all the fun stuff that happens there, all the movie and TV trailer spots that we have on there. I have stuff for here on the prop bet sheet about those things. And uh, to give you guys kind of an update, I believe me and Peter are planning on doing a pod February 19th. We're planning on taping that February 19th and that Uh, probably coming out early that next week and which we'll probably be talking about some of the spots. uh, Some of the ones that are more notable to us that we want to talk, we want to talk about here. Maybe we get something for Obi-Wan, which that the poster for that and release date for that's been put out there. We got a Lord of the Rings trailer possibly coming anything else. So we'll probably be looking and talking about that. Uh, Boba Fett, a little bit of Peacemaker talk and also the main course, some Batman predictions for the new movie coming out in a few weeks. So we'll be talking about some of these commercials next, uh, next Saturday, hopefully. So be on the lookout for that on the entertainment channel and you can go find the entertainment channel and the views channel wherever you guys get your podcasts, whether it's Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor or Apple Podcasts. Be sure to go check us out on all those platforms. Be sure to go check us out on our Twitter account, 573pods. So that'll do it for us here, everybody. Hopefully you guys have a good rest of your week. Have a good weekend. Have a fun Super Bowl Sunday. Try not to eat too much. And uh, until next week, we'll talk to you guys next time.